It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. We are recording Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. Subscribe to the Flow Track Podcast YouTube page. If you haven't emailed the show, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. A lot to cover today. We're going to recap NCAA prelims, talk about a thing most collegiate record, talk about some unpredictable results in Gordon's favorite event, the Men's 5000. We'll touch on Doha. We'll talk about Hobbs Kessler and Arian Knighton holding it down for the high schoolers. Another big race from Allison Felix as well. We could go on and on and on. Gordon, good morning. How are you? Doing good. It's uh, been a long time since we talked track and so much has happened. I feel like a whole, almost like a whole season of content happened in about three or four days from the pro to college to high school scene uh it was an incredible weekend uh and a lot to talk about so i'm excited to yeah. break it all down with you kevin yeah yeah likewise i think again things are coming to a head here we're a couple weeks out from the trials and there's no more waiting around if someone's still not raced now you're asking serious questions and now i think it's legitimate to ask hey where's this person been why aren't they there and then we're also seeing the the collegians really ramp up as they do pretty much every single year uh, but when we had a year where there was no competition in a normal year starts to feel incredibly packed. I want to start first with the prelims though. I want to start first with the prelims and just get your general takeaway. And we'll talk about a thing, Mo, in a moment here, but who are the big winners? Who came up short? Whose title chances as a team were impacted by what we saw happen this weekend in the East and West prelims? So most of the, the team battling on the men's and women's side didn't get really much big changes. Texas did lose a couple key point scores on the women's side, but they also weren't in the running to win nationally. They weren't at the same level as the Texas A&M women or USC women. So the team battle, which we will kind of discuss maybe next week or the week after, I guess next week or later on this mm -hmm. week, 
uh, when we update the NCAA, the final NCAA rankings, which I'm working on. I was working on them last night. But one thing I want to take away is just like about the prelims in general. And so I did a little math. There are a total of 80 events that were competed. So 20 per region. I mean, 20 mm-hmm. per gender per region. So 40 in the East, 40 in the West. So you have okay. 81 seeds, 82 seeds, 83 seeds, etc. And I did the math. 77 of the 80 number one seeds qualified for nationals. 77 of the 82 seeds qualified. 70 of the 83 seeds qualified. So 96% of the one seeds, 96% two, 87% of the three seeds. Basically, when you go all the way down to six, the top six seeds, over 70% always qualified. So of the six seed, like 59 out of 80 qualified. Um, when you go all the way down to the 12 seed, 46% of 12 seeds qualified. They're right on the bubble, right? Because top 12 go. And I thought it was kind of yeah. interesting uh, to see kind of the breakdown of how likely your seed would to qualify. I bring this up because, like, you know, we had a weird year where there was a potential that if you were ranked 33rd to 48, you wouldn't have mm-hmm. even made this meet, right? Because they were going to be only top 32. Um, I did a tweet, you know, the first person who qualified for nationals um, that was not ranked in the top 32, so only got in because of this going back to the 48, was Brandon Hicklin of North Carolina A&T. He was ranked 35th in the East, and he qualified. Uh I did math. So the number of people who came into the meet rank 33rd to 46 and uh, 33rd to 48 and qualified was 25 people. So 25 men and women who wouldn't have been able to be at this meet are now at nationals. Uh, Mm -hmm. 25, but it's 25 out of a total of 960. So it's a very small percentage, right? 25 divided by 960 is 2%. So increasing it to 48 got an extra 2% of athletes to the national meet. Um, I did want to give a shout out to who were the lowest ranked athletes who qualified. There were two athletes who were ranked 46th in their region. Mm -hmm. So 46 out of 48 and qualified. And they were Isaiah Griffith, a senior triple jumper from Oregon. He was ranked 46. So big for Oregon. You know, they're they're in the yeah. point running. And then Tyler Davis, who's a freshman from Florida in the 200, uh, he qualified. Mm. So the distance-wise, the lowest distance qualifiers were in the 5K and the 10K. Uh, it was the women's East 5K. Maddie Denner, she came in ranked 42nd in the East, and she qualified. And Victor Schitzma, Oklahoma State 10K runner, he was ranked 41st in the men's 10K in the West, and he qualified. So it's kind of a big shout-out to the people who who no one ever thought would make it, who made it. Uh, pretty cool. Um, and my picks in the 5K in the, in the East and West, I was uh, – yeah, I wasn't – I didn't go – I didn't, I didn't go 48 for 48. How close did you get? If you're doing all these um, numbers, if you're crunching all the numbers, that's the only number I really care about. What was your batting average here? I, I need a 
I didn't do that math because I knew it wasn't perfect. Okay. Once I knew I got one wrong, okay. I was like, ah, oh, it's out. Uh, yeah. I do want to talk about there were two big, I mean, one big, there's a couple, let's talk about this, is the, this thing. So uh, <laughs> you're very excited. You know your so, numbers so, and now you're excited. So Johanna Gretchel did an interview with uh, Texas head coach Edric Florial um, back right before Big 12 championships to talk about like the, the prelims. And basically for the top teams, the only thing that could come out of prelims is disappointment, right? Because it's all about your star, uh, one of your star point scorers not making it because of a false start, whatever. Texas had a craziness where Tara Davis was a DNS in the hurdles. She was the number one seed um, dealing with an injury that she, she tweeted out or Instagrammed out that she was dealing with a, a leg injury after her jump. But Chanel Brissett, I'm not sure if you heard the story. Did you hear the story about Chanel Brissett? I did not. I did okay. not hear the story. So apparently she false started at the West prelims in the first oh, round. The fall, yeah, yeah, right. And they were yeah. supposed to run it again. They're supposed to run and it then again. They were gonna and then they were going to run it again to let her uh, qualify via just beating the fastest top 24 time, get the next round. And then that was going to be the plan. And then right before that was about to happen, after uh, the, the men's 10K or, or whatever they were going to do it, I'm not sure what day they were going to do it, uh, there was a, a second protest to kind of protest the protest to kind of cancel this runoff. And therefore, Chanel Brissett couldn't run. And apparently, she was very livid and not happy with it because uh, uh, of the uh, – apparently, it was the Texas A&M coach who protested their protest that didn't let her attempt to run in the top 24 because it most likely would have knocked out a Texas A&M athlete because she would obviously been able to run a top 24 time because she's, she's could potentially win nationals. And so yeah. apparently there was a little bit of a controversy with that situation. It's not track season. It's not championship track season until you have people protesting a protest. That's when you know we're really rounding into form. Track is crazy, man. Does no, does anybody know the rules? Right. It's just know. like, if you've allowed her to run, right. How do you then go back and say, no, she can't run? So one of the calls is completely wrong at this point, right? How does yeah. that happen? How does that, I mean, I, I feel for her from the perspective of like, uh, official says, hey, you can do it again, right? And you've been reinstated and you have this opportunity and you get ready and you get prepared to run again. And then you can't, like the call should be made correctly the first time. Yeah. It's not like this was an, it's not like this is an in the moment block charge debate they're looking at video i'm assuming right they're looking at numbers they're looking at um that start to make sure hey was it legal or not then make the call correctly the first time right make the call correctly the first time you shouldn't have to then go back and have a have a secondary protest to to then decide and it, look if if it was correct the first time then call it correct the first time and then deny the first protest it just there's so many events in track, so many rules, and the more I cover it, the more I'm around it, the more I'm convinced that very few people actually know. Like, what we go meet to meet, and, and just like people are making stuff. Remember when people would race under protest, like a yeah. Diamond League meet, and it was just like, well, what's the standard? Like, who gets to run under protest and who doesn't? Because then other people would just 
they get DQ'd and they just walk off and then other people get DQ'd and they just stay there. And I'm thinking, what incentive do you have to walk off? You could just say, I'm running this race under protest, right? It's like Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy. You just say it and then you can just move on with what you're doing. And then eventually I think they crack down on that, but then you have these situations you know, a la John Drummond way, way, way back in the day where people are like, no, I'm not gonna leave. Like I, I, I was wronged. Like there's gotta be a better way to adjudicate this stuff fairly because track is, I get it, it's tough. Once the race passes, you can't go back and do it again. It's over. You can't get everybody back on the track to race it again. But it, it feels like year to year, meet to meet, we make, like rules get made up and discarded willy nilly. Uh, and there's there's very little consistency to it because if she's if she's in she's in if she's not she's not let's let's clarify it anyway like, could you imagine in an nfl game a, a coach challenges a, a call and then the ref upholds it or like changes the call and then the other coach challenges the challenge and then it gets mm -hmm. flipped again like it would be insane but that's what happens in track and chanel brissett was she tweeted out she was uh not happy with it she said you get no cool points for being the bigger person. I will always choose pettiness. This is a great tweet. Because uh, it's always like, it. you're always you're always told to be the bigger person. But in this case, she did not give. <laughs> I went to an Oregon-USC football game back in the day where I believe Mike Bellotti challenged a challenge. And I was pulling for Oregon. Uh, and it was the highlight of the game because we were getting destroyed. And I thought it was the coolest thing. I don't even, I don't, I think the refs were so confused. Like, that's not, that's not so the rule book. You can't, yeah, yeah, that's not, you, we've made the ruling. We've moved on. Let's keep going. Okay, what was your biggest, if you had to pick one, what was your biggest surprise from all of prelims? Gabby Nico Young, not qualifying. I mean, how you are he's, he's run 13 24 and he gets eighth in his heat ultimately he needed it because it was a slower heat he needed to have get gotten fifth in his heat he runs 1403 um if you look at the splits travis if you pull up if you go up to the top and go to uh heat one um he basically wasn't able to close um right. he he was there he was there with two laps to go he was there he was there and then just he was there with one lap to go and then just fell apart in the final 400 because basically the top two guys, Grijalva and Hawker, were split in 54s, and then the rest of the crews were running 56 to 57s, and he runs a 60. Um, what's your takeaway? I I'm surprised that he wasn't able to put himself in there and be able to close. Do you? Yeah. I, I mean, what do you take away I from agree. this? Well, I, I agree. I thought after his Drake 5,000, where he didn't kick with Morgan McDonald, but no one's expecting him to kick at that level right now. But he showed some closing speed there. I thought that he'd be able to do it in this meet too. I guess if you were going to, if coming into outdoor, if you're like, okay, what's the worst case? What's the only real weakness Nico Young has other than experience, right? It would have been, hey, can he close like Grijalva? Can he close like Hawker? And that's not a really critique of him. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And we saw what he did in cross country. So you'd think, okay, Endurance is not an issue. Strength is not an issue. The, the issue, if there is one, is going to be closing speed. Um, so I wasn't entirely surprised that this is how he went out. Um, I'm guessing next time he'll put himself in a, in a little bit better position, maybe ratchet it down a bit from farther out. I mean, 
this is a it, it is interesting i'm looking at these results here and just because we're at this meet uh abdi ibrahim from new mexico uh finished one spot ahead of him do you remember him from that las vegas cross-country meet he's the one who won the b heat he was in the <laughs> b heat in that vegas race nico was in the a heat and gave connor mance all he could handle just interesting how they ended up right right next to each other in this in this race all these months later your 5k is i don't want to say falling apart because we still got a lot of big names there we still got grijalva we still got hawker we still got kip too we still got cooper tier but i think your big what was it your big 10 is basically down to five at this point yeah i mean you had mance and kerr got scratch and now right. you have you know Nico Young not make it. You have Eduardo Herrera, who was a thirteen twenty guy, not make it. It is starting to fall apart. But here's the thing: it was never going to be a ten man race with a hundred meters to go. It was going to mm. still become like a two to three man race in the final two hundred. So while it's not the greatest NCAA five k of all time anymore, I don't think we still get to see a fun race between Tier Hawker Kip two and Grijalva, I would say that is the clear top four. If anyone else breaks up that top four, I would be super surprised. Um, and, hey, man, I, I know we're not supposed to take – we did a little debate here about who would win between Hawker and Grijalva in the prelim. I'm not sure if you watched it. They both looked like the same – they looked like the same runner in that final 400. Yeah. It was weird. Like, I thought it was going to be – they both closed really fast, and they both jogged at the same time. It was a unique – dynamic because they were looking at each other but they were like i i'm it makes me really excited because they clearly look like they're at the same level based on what i saw here's the bummer part of it though you're right it's still going to be awesome with those four but then we have to entertain the possibility that hawker scratches and then we're down to three which is still good but it's a far cry from where we were before we have a good comment here and patrick brings up a good uh, point in the in the chat uh how many tactical races has nico been in so far in his career he may just need championship reps i agree i agree he yeah. ran his high school career out front pushing the pace a lot of it was solo crushing fields obviously cross country not much tactics involved there over ten thousand as compared to a prelim 5k it makes sense that he would he would struggle. Um, I was doing a little bit of research and I was comparing him because you and Travis had me on this assignment uh, last week that I don't even know if it's going to happen now. Um, thanks, by the way. I, I was comparing Nico oh, yeah. to, to, to Inga Britson. I was comparing him to, to, to Galen Rupp. I mean, people forget, you know, Rupp had some bumps in the road early in his Oregon career as well. It wasn't NCAA success after NCAA success. And I think part of that is just getting that closing speed piece down i know it's not as easy as just saying uh get the closing speed uh like and then snap your fingers and then you're all good um but but that's something that you know with age he's going to get better there's no reason why in four years he can't be closing like luis grijalva I, I i gotta bring up kip too though who again my pick my pick for this race you laughed at me at the beginning of the season but now there's only we think there's only four guys left you know he didn't go full prelim time is pr time but let's look at wesley kiptu's splits because this is my favorite pastime right now is looking at wesley kiptu's splits so he's out in 30 seconds for the first 200 so he's only a second and a half clear of the field but then between 200 and 600 he runs about a 60 
and everybody else runs a 70, which gives him <laughs> a robust nine second lead at the 600. And you're like, all right, maybe he just holds it there. No, it keeps growing. Gordon, by the 3K mark, he led by 22 seconds. 22 seconds. So it kept crawling up and up and up. He ends up winning by nine seconds. It's funny in these races, you can look at it. It's funny to find the point where the field runs the exact same split as him. So the lead doesn't get any bigger. And then like clockwork, they have to close. So Olin Hacker, Isaac Green in this race, they close 62 and then a 55. Kip two closes 66, 63. He gave up in the last 800. <laughs> He he ran a two oh nine. They run they run well under two minutes, and he still wins by nine seconds. Uh, we need a we need a fancy name for it. It's like the, the the Kip two point. I don't know what it would be like. Where they catch and then they start to close, but it doesn't matter because he's so far ahead of everybody else. It'd be like a five if 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 track was uh popular in the mainstream media. There'd be like a five thirty eight article. Like what is the Kip two yeah. point and like analyzing yeah. the average point where he starts running the same as everyone else and then slowing down, but still has a lead. It'll be a fun little analytical project. Uh, I do want to say um, on the women's side, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Nico young, not qualifying, you know, going into this season, there were two star freshmen, right? Nico young and Caitlin Tui. Caitlin Tui didn't qualify in the women's 15. She then went out in the 5K, but she wasn't really in the factor at all in the 5K. It looks like she was just jogging. Uh, but she gets knocked out in the, the final round in the mm -hmm. 1500. See what place she got. She got ninth in her heat, uh, so she really wasn't in it. She basically would have had to run six seconds faster to qualify on time. Uh, what are your thoughts on Caitlin Tui's first year at NC State? I mean, still a success, top freshman in cross. I think it was always going to be tough to do the indoor cross and then right into outdoor. She lowered her 1500 meter PB. I think it's going to be uh, a progression for her, but I think long-term it's probably better. I know it would be great and everybody wanted her to come in and dominate right away. Right. But I think there's something to be said for uh, gaining a ton of experience, doing a bunch of different events. Like think of all the things she's done in the last couple months. She ran cross, she ran DMR, she ran some indoor times, she ran outdoor 5Ks, she ran outdoor 1500s. Uh, I didn't read a ton in, in, into it. I, you know, I think she got a lot out of the season. Um, NC State as a whole ran really so solid. I think they're gonna be one of, obviously the favorite going into to cross in the, in the fall. Let's go back though for a sec. Can we go back for a second to the, to the men's side of things in the 15? Do you think, is there a chance now that the men's 15 is the new men's 5,000. And what I mean by that is because you know you're going to get Hawker in the 15, because I don't think Hawker's going to scratch the 15. I think if he has to choose no, between no, one, yeah. he's gonna yeah, choose the 15. So now you have Hawker, you have Nagus, you have Iliad Kipsang, who is not shy about pushing the pace. He's got, he's got a little Kip2 in him. Uh, of course, you have Sam Tanner out there as well who advanced, we saw how quickly he ran indoors. So you got at least four guys there as well too. Which one are you more interested in watching? Are you still sticking with the 5K? Well, they kind of have a very similar 
a dynamic, right? You have the Cole Hawker in both. You have the could would Cole Hawker have lost to this athlete if they ran indoor in a year in the goose for the mile and a mm-hmm. Luis Grohalva for the five K because they both focus on cross country. And then you have the Kenyan who just refuses to run and race normally in Kiptu, who goes out hard, and Ilya Kitsang, who ran 335 in the prelims. That, mm-hmm. An unnecessary yeah. 335, right? Uh, That's the best so, type of 335, though, or unnecessary 335. Those are the best type. Exactly. So it's, it's going to have an interesting dynamic where I think, as a result, having Kipsang in the 15 and Kip 2 in the 5, they're both going to go out hard. So I don't think we're going to mm-hmm. see a 14 flat 5K. I don't think we're going to see a 342 1500. I think we're going to see uh, like a, a sub 1330 5K. And I think we're going to see like a, thir- a 330. I could, we could see it. We could see, you know, potentially a repeat of the collegiate record in that 1500 final if Kip Sang makes it honest. And then, you know, Hawker and Nagoose push each other into that 334 range. I think it's possible. I, yeah. The chances of Kip 2 running a different strategy in the five are about the same as Kip saying running a different strategy in the 1500. He's telling you what he is. He's telegraphed this all year. I don't know why he would go to the biggest meet of the season and then change up. He's doing this in random prelim races when he doesn't need to. Nagus, Nagus did that with the clear intent, right? To make the run, get the standard. I think, I think even the collegiate record was secondary for Nagus in that prelim. I think it was all about trying to get that Olympic standard there. But with Kip saying, that's not what it's about. For him, that's just what he does. The same thing for uh, Kip 2 in the 5K as, as the same as Kip saying in the 1500. So we know what both those guys are going to do. The question is, who is going to take up the task of going behind them and trying to keep that gap closed? And how fast of time will they pull them to? Because I think we could see something legendary there if Kip Sang does go out, I mean, look at his splits. He goes 41, eight through 300, then and in his to 700, from, from 300 to 700, ran a 58, then a 58, and then a 56. I mean, Nagus was right there with him. Nagus did not back down. He got towed to a 336, but I'm sure in the back of Nagus's mind, he's thinking, wait, this is a prelim. What am I doing all this for? Whereas if an NCAA final, and he's got Cole Hawker on his shoulder too, like, Ilya Kipsang is going to be the best table setter possible for this race. Because um, he, obviously he thinks he can win, but he's willing to run this hard from the gun. It's going to be it's going to be a sensational race. I don't think people should sleep on that one uh, at all. I want to talk about a thing, Mo, though. The ultimate prelim time is PR time, because for her, prelim time was collegiate record time. And I got to say, Gordon... 49.68. I'm running out of things to say about a thing, Mo. Like, this is unprecedented. I don't think, I know it was a busy weekend. I know results come fast and furious every single weekend, but a thing, Mo now has the collegiate record outdoors in the 800, collegiate record outdoors in the 400, collegiate record indoors in the 800. She was part of AM's 4x4 title indoors. She was part of, uh, she's going to be part of AM's. Uh, squad outdoors, which could win a team title as well, too. Like, to do this as a freshman and to do this in these two different events that most people haven't done, 
Like this, this is not a thing that people specialize in, in the modern era, right? You see a manual career do it and it's great. You go back in the day, you look at Alberto Juantarena, what he did in the Olympics. That's great, but it's just not something that you see done, the four eight. And she's doing it with such ease. Uh, you called this one. You said she's gonna go for the collegiate record in this race running on her home track. Um, I guess we should not be surprised now about, about anything that she does. Yeah. I mean, she has proven that she is like, this is what she is. There's no like fluky race of just had one quick 400. They'll never repeat. Like she is consistently going to be a 50 flat 49 high 400 meter runner right now. And basically be able to run a 157 to 159 in an 800 as of right now. So like she is the prototype. She is what we kind of, we don't get to see often, right? Cause we do like a Donovan Brazier probably could run if 43 seconds, maybe 44 low, but he doesn't yeah. do it because he is just hundred percent all in on the eight. And while he might be able to split a four by four here and there, he's not, he's not incentivized to be really challenging, you know, Michael Norman and Fred Curley right now. He just wants to focus on the eight. Uh, it's just great that we're finally having a true four, eight runner. We never get that, mm-hmm. right? We always get the, Hey, I might do a four by four split here or there, or I did the 800 once, but this is great. And she's doing it at a young age and I hope she continues. I really, hope that she doesn't choose one i hope she stays with both because we see one and 200 runners all the time right all the time you see two four people you see 15 5 k's right you see a 15 10 k's we don't see four eights really often at all really ever you can count them on one hand i really hope that her pro career she is Basically, when she's healthy, always doing the 4-8 double at pretty much any meet that she enters, any like national meet that she enters. The same way, you know, you're always going to see, you know, Shakari Richardson enter the one and the two. I want to always see a Thing Mo enter the four and the eight. Which means those people who make the schedule out there need to make the double possible from here till eternity. Just keep doing it. Always get one standardized schedule, copy, paste. Every world championships, every Olympics, just use the same schedule. We don't need to change the schedule. Just make find one that works with all the doubles and then do it. And the 4-8 should be one of those doubles. I like her race selection this year. I like the fact that she's focusing on the four here and, and going to go to the eight for the trials. I think that's going to help keep her fresh. You know what should have been the clue, Gordon? You know what should have been the blinking red light? And we've been following her career forever, watching her in AAU. But remember that 600-meter race indoors at the U.S. Champs? It was 2019. I think Travis maybe can find it on her results page there. Uh, she went against Raven Rogers in that U.S. Champs, and it was a 600. Off-year off 600. 2019, I believe. And she won. And, you know, you're thinking at indoor time, off distance, the dialogue around that race became, man, what's like, you know, Raven Rogers, got to get sharp, got to get sharp. Can't be losing a Thingmo. Well, a Thingmo ran a 123.5 in that race. 
2019. So that was what? As a high school junior, that should have been a clear indication of where this was going. But I think instead people fixated on uh, reasons to maybe, ah, okay, let's, let's wait. Let's give it more time. No, no, no. That was a, a, that was a, start. a big, that was a start. That was a bold italics, 48 point font arrow pointing <laughs> where this was going. And we should not be surprised at what she's doing now. It's fantastic to watch. I, you, you said before, hey, she can make the team in the four uh, for the U.S. I think that's clear now as well, too. This removed any doubt going sub-50 with, with such ease in this, in this race. Uh, do you think she's going to go faster at NCAAs? Uh, maybe. But I wouldn't see herself pushing it, to be honest. I mean, she is going to have the 4 by 4 in the back of her mind. I think she's going to be focused on trying to score 10 points in the 4 and then anchor a fast 4 by 4 and be able to come home with 20 points for Texas A&M because they are in the team race. She's just so much faster than everyone else that I think she'll definitely – she won't do PR time. Prelim time is PR time at all, right? In the finals, she's going to be like, I guarantee this way, get the win, let's get to the 4x4, four four, get that win, and then get ready for the trials. I don't think she's – I mean, she might run 49.9 again or something like that, but I don't think she's going to be trying to run like 48 or 49.2. Uh, maybe save that for the week after at the trials if she wins the four. Credit here to Stacey Ann Williams of Texas. A sophomore runs 50.3. Sensational mark, sensational time. Any other year, that might that might be enough, but you're just going against one of the best of, of all time here in a thing, Mo. And I think even the most optimistic uh, prognostications would not have had Mo doing this. Maybe in one event, but not in two events. And that's what she's she's doing here. She's a class, a class above for sure. Anything else on prelims before we move on to pro slash high school or high school pros, however you want to call it? Uh, no, I think that's it. I think there's a lot of stuff that went down this weekend. I think we should get into it. Oh, real quick. Hold on. One more on prelims. The 100. What? 100 is going to be good. 100 doesn't get enough love. Not enough people talk about the 100 in track, Gordon, so I wanted to talk about it here real quick. No, no, Michael Williams, 10-0, that's serious. That's serious. Uh, and then Sean Masmangani of Houston, 10 4 They were in different heats. And then the women's 100 is shaping up, oh, I should say on the east, then you had Joe Von Martin, 997, wind-dated, Laird. Laird is solid, dude. The guy just wakes up and rubs, runs up 20. It's incredible what he's doing. He ran 10 flat. When, when dated. No, I mean, he's just like, he's making sub 20 look easy. And we know that's not true because we see these diamond league meets all the time where people don't break 20 or maybe one guy breaks 20 and he's making it look easy. I, yes, it's wind dated, but like, look at his body of work this year. It's incredible. Um, but the women's hundred is going to be really cool too. I think it's, it's settling down to be four people. Tanisha Cherry gets a big PB 1089. Canberra Sturgis 1092. Tamara Clark what are your picks to win 1098 and then Kemba Nelson of Oregon 1098 as well too. Okay. We'll move off that. We'll move off that. We'll move away from the college kids. Um, Hobbs Kessler, your thoughts, 334 
0.36 breaks the high school 1500 meter record. Okay, you ready for this? So first of all, yeah. Big, what Hobbs Kessler did is amazing. What this race was was great. We needed finally a fast race on U.S. soil with uh, featuring predominantly Americans running, not three thirty-eight. You know, Craig Angles three thirty-three. Mm-hmm. I think that showed that he is to be challenged with, like. The idea that you know two college kids and a high school kid could make a team, and everyone is just ignoring Craig Angles. Three thirty three shows that he is he's his normal form. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, the story out of this race was Hobbs Kessler running three thirty four thirty six. He's eighteen years old. He runs three thirty four thirty six. Breaks a, he breaks the high school record that was what three thirty eight. But a high school fifteen hundred is not really run that often, right? Because how often are they doing that? I mean, the real thing is you could say this converts to a 351 mile, which is right. clearly faster than what Alan Webb ever did. And it's incredible. He's the fastest high schooler of all time. And we should praise it. My main thing that I, whenever I see this is I always think about, is this unusual? Is Is this a once in a generation type performance? Or... Is just this just a a result of the times that we're in? And I think it's really clearly more a result of the times that we're in as opposed to this is going to be a record that stands for, for forever the same way Jim Ryan's record stood forever and Alan Webb's record stood forever. I honestly think we're going to see more Hobbs Kesslers in the next 10 years, and I think we will see more high school kids run 334 to 336 in the 1500 in the next 10 years, which is great. Why do you think? Okay. So first of all, let's, let's think about how, how crazy is what Hobbs ran. He ran three, 351 in the, in the IWF points tables, a 351 is equivalent to 1,183 points. That is the equivalent of running a 10 Oh, 700. A 2024 20, 200, a 449 400, a 144 7 800, 1307 5K, and 2727 10K. Now, if you look at that, seeing teenagers run those sprint times, we, we have seen that multiple times. Seeing teenagers run a 1307s, 2727s, and a 144, we don't see that often. Um, and I think. Or, or ever in the US, but yes. Yeah. Or ever. Or ever, right? Or yeah, yeah, 1307. Seven's right. fast. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I take it about. But, like, we, I think it shows that in the US, our sprinters have been able to get to an elite level quicker than um, distance runners. I think it's because maybe it's because of the, the way the event is that just your body is able to run a 1007 quicker than it is to be able to run a 334 when you're 18 years old. I don't know. Um, but what I wanted to say is I really do think Hobbs Kessler, I think this performance is the same as when Donovan Brazier ran 143 as a freshman in college. I think Hobbs is basically, I know he's in high school, but I look at him as just like a really a phenom 
freshman in college because he's having college training. He's training with Nick Willis and being coached by a world-class coach. He's not having being coached by the local gym teacher and he's having like a, a college type focus of like doing the right things that you get once you leave high school and go to college. And you saw Donovan Brazier go from a 147 guy in high school to 143 his first year. And I think we're seeing that with Hobbs Kessler. Hobbs Kessler goes from like, hey, I'm like a 410, 415 type guy in the mile. And then the next year, I'm now running 334 in the 1500. And I think it's because of the training environment. And obviously, a lot of it's you have to have the talent and the dedication and the hard work. But I think this is just a result of his environment. And so I think we're going to see more high school kids do the Hobbs Kessler method. And I mean, we saw it happen three or four years ago with Jacob Ingebrigtsen, right? He was like, how is this teenager running world-class times? Well, it's because he's training like a pro. He has two of the greatest training partners and his two older brothers. I think we're seeing that with Hobbs Kessler. Why is he running 334? He's training like a pro. If you take a world-class, if you take an all-time U.S. talent and put him in an environment to run well, we're going to get this. And I think it should encourage us to do it more. We should encourage, I think there's a lot of other untapped talents out there who should do it more. And uh, yeah, that's what I said. I think Hobbs Kessler is basically the opening is, is a prototype. It's a, it's the example that other future elite high school runners are going to base off of in order to get to the next level at an earlier stage, as opposed to waiting till your freshman year when you finally get the college training. Okay. So basically you're saying you think U.S. 1,500-meter running, U.S. distance running is going to catch up to sprinting in this next generation yeah. is what you're saying. And you're saying – And the way it does it, yeah. Is, is, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand what you're saying before I tell you why you're wrong. Um, <laughs> and the way and the way they're going to close that gap is there's, they're going to have more access to, quote-unquote, professionalized high-level training. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that you normally okay. don't get in high school because you're coached by the local gym. But do high school, but do high school sprinters have that now? I mean, I know we're seeing more people go pro earlier, but your run-of-the-mill average high schooler obviously doesn't have access to that. I don't know. I may I like the tables like you do. I'm a big believer in the tables uh, as giving a baseline, but it's not an end-all, be-all. And I look at what Webb did. 20 years ago and it's crazy to think it was 20 years ago because i am old and i think <laughs> there's a reason why it took somebody 20 years to break that mark and during that time you had obviously the web effect right web ritz and hall started this or helped further i think along with a combination of things i think it's just uh the preponderance of you know big elite meets helped as well too people sharing training and being able to see what other people were doing, I think played a part in that as well too. And I think if it was a, hey, this is just, uh, this is now gonna be common and Hobbs is kicking in the door, I think we would have seen it before Hobbs, right? I mean, there's a re I mean, there's been guys um, who have come through the system who have had high level training in the last 
10, 20, 15 years uh, who haven't gotten to these heights. I, I agree with you that it is a, a perfect storm here in that you have obviously a huge talent. You have clearly something that's working where he has a professionalized training environment where he has access to you know, Coach Warhurst, who's doing a great job training him and, and working out with, with pro athletes as well too. But I don't know. I don't know if, like, the way you're talking about this is the way people would talk about sub fours in general, right? You had that big drought, Webb did it, and then the next guy, and then the next guy, and the next guy to the point where 359 is just like standard. You know, Matthew Mayton did it. And I mean, you could look at the, go on down the, the list, Legowski, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Leo Dashback this last year. But I think, and I agree with you there, that they, that they will be more sub fours. But I think when you get down into, I mean, Hobbs is running what you said, what'd you say, equivalent to 351? I think yeah. when you get to three, when you get to 355, I think that's where you start testing the limits of that, hey, this is just going to become the norm thing. And you have to have somebody who's supremely special. I also want to point out one thing. I think you you mentioned at the top, um, this race was special. And that's what it also takes too. Just like Webb's race was special. Don't get me wrong. Webb had the benefit of running in a pre-classic with Hichim El Garouge. And you go back and watch that race and Webb ran a really smart race. But like, what if Hobbs... What if the Portland Track Festival 1500 ended up being a 336 race? I mean, would like would, would 338? Yeah. Right, 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 right. So again, and part of that is getting access to these races, running enough of these races so you're in there at the right time to run uh, to take advantage of the opportunity. But there's a chance this could have been a 336, 337 race, and we never would have known. I think that's that's a piece of it as well too. Uh, also, you got to look at. Know, Sorry. Also, you got to look at what the carrot is. In high school, the carrot is four flat. So it's not surprising that pretty much a majority of the people who break four, they're all running 359 because they're all thinking about breaking four. In this situation, the carrot is the Olympic standard, which is now faster, right? If if we were in 2016 and Hobbs Kessel was coming around, he wouldn't be running 334. He'd be running 335.9 like because the standard would have been 336, right? So yeah. we created a, a better carrot. So that means it forced everyone to try to run a second faster, which helps, right? I'm sure whatever the standard was during Alan Webb's time, if he's trying to make the Olympics or whatever, he's not, tr no one tries to run five seconds under the standard, right? They all try to just like pace for the standard. I think that's also a reason why we saw 334. It's because it happened to be also an Olympic year. If this was just a US off year, Right mm -hmm. where there's no like a there's just a U.S. champs and the standards is like three thirty seven, he's gonna run three thirty seven one right like, I think it's perfect storm like you said, the training I would also say the pandemic where he has he's under raced for a whole year going into this so he's sure. fresher, uh, and then the the carrots the the environment of that race, I mean. Look, listen, he, we won't know. Yeah. We'll we'll know in five years, six years, right? Like whether or not the floodgates opened because of Hobbs Kessler, right? This isn't something that that is going to be an unsolvable question, right? If three thirty four is still the record down the line, we will definitely 
No. I think, though, we when you talk about an eight, a guy who just turned 18 running faster than the collegiate record, right, and running anytime a, a, a person that young runs a time that could put them in contention for a Diamond League, you, I don't think you can expect that to become the norm unless the entire event just gets incredibly quicker over the next few. But that's like you my, have to put, my, there's, I mean, there's caveats to saying the phrase he ran faster than the collegiate record. There's also a 19 year old in college right now who ran faster in the mile. Cole Hawker ran 350 in the mile, and sure, he's only 19. But my point, my point being is when you run, just like when Webb ran 352 or 353, when you run a time that is so far out of your classification, I I don't think it's unreasonable for people like me and other people to be like, wow, it may be 20 years, 30 years before we see something like that again. I get where you're, what you're saying, which is like, no, this lines up. The, the bar is just going to keep getting raised and raised and raised. And eventually there's going to be a bunch of people running this time. But I think the reason people are reacting the way they did is because it's just such a huge, it's such a huge jump up, such a huge improvement from from where it was, from a guy who's like, to me, seems under-trained, right? Under-raced. Nick Willis said, what, he hasn't even won a high school title yet. <laughs> this guy is relatively new uh, to running. It's, in, it's, in, it's incredible what he's, what he's been able to do. So I would take, I'd take the over on, on when you think this record is going to be broken, because it sounds like you're saying that you think it's going to happen again. I just think, and I said this back when he ran, was it 357 indoors? Is that right? Yeah. I, I said, we, we, we need to start looking at 359s differently than 357s. And the, what I meant by that was Kessler's mark and the manner in which he did it was so much more impressive than these, these guys who were sneaking under, just sneaking under four. Granted, high score breaking four is amazing. It's sensational. But we get so wrapped up on that round number that we lose all perspective of like one indicates that a guy could go on and do this. And the other one's like, oh man, you had six cracks at it. And then senior year, you ran 359.8. You're going to go join a, a college team where five other people can do that. Uh, you're going to need to continue to improve. Th that's the difference between the two, right? 357 is not the same as a 359, just as we wouldn't talk about, you know, you wouldn't talk about a 10-1 the same, the same way you talk about a 9-9. Um, but everything gets lumped together just because we're so obsessed with this idea of sub four. Yeah, I just think that, um, I mean, I've been following track numbers like religiously for the past seven years, ever since I joined Flow Track. And I just see trends and I see, and I'm not just looking, I'm looking at the high school, I look at the college trends and I look at the US trends and I look at the international trends and I just see where certain events we are running faster than normal and certain events where we're running slower than normal when it comes to the U.S. college or high school scene. And I really look at the men's mile slash 1500 as an event where we are naturally running slower than normal compared to other events. I mean, there are other like field events where we're not doing as well, but I think that's because of lack of promotion of that event where – not everyone is in, you know, influenced to become a discus thrower the way they are influenced to become a shot putter or a long mm -hmm. jumper, right? Uh, but I do think the mile 1500 is a unique event where it is the most popular distance event, 
But for some reason, it's an event where the best of our best aren't – like I honestly think in 10 to 15 years, every year in the U.S., there will be five people who run sub-330 or 330 sub-331 and that the 15th best person is like a 334. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, th- I just think everything's going to get shit. And I think in high school, I think in high school, I think in 10 years, I think there'll be in 10 years, we will go like 10 straight years where two people break four every year. I think that will happen. And I just think that yeah, everything is just shifting yeah. to a normalization of where we're going to look at 334s and 335s and 336s. That just means you're good. Well, right, and then three thirties means you're elite. Yeah. If you're using the same, like a hundred meter analogy, right? Which is what's three fifty nine, is something like what ten two? I, I don't have the top, off the top of my head. I, I know it's like forty six and change, but it's like, yeah, we see ten two and forty six second high school uh, boys all the time. But then, how often do you see a ten zero, right? Or how often do you see a forty five low? Yeah. Totally different. Totally different scenario. So. I I could see a future where we see a 359 every year, but then that doesn't that doesn't mean that a 356 or a 357 is going to become commonplace, and that's just that's just the reality of it. Um, I want to get your opinion on one other thing here. Uh, you you continue to get roasted in the comments, which is great. Uh, is I'm it enjoying, about Hobbs? I have one more thing about say about Hobbs. Well, I is can he make the Olympic team? That's what that's, I want to yeah, know yeah. about Hobbs. Well, not only can he make the Olympic team, could we have an Olympic team? With two college kids and a high school kid? Could it be a Cole Hawker, Yair Nagus, Hobbs Kessler, one, two, three? <laughs> I think Matthew Centrowitz will have something to say about that. I know. But yeah, I think Centrowitz said Craig Engels. It, it, so, can he make it? Yes, he can. I don't think he can win it. Um, but the thing is, the, looking at the field now, Craig Engels has showed that he is fit in top three Centro showed that he's fit in top three and then hawker and the goose are also in that range right so can he beat three of those guys three of those of those five to make the team i don't know mm-hmm. i don't i don't, well, I don't race, think he can make i don't think he'll make the team this race in portland added a bunch of people to that list because we yeah. went in just with a couple, and then you have Kessler in there that makes it. You have Sietti that makes it. You have Henry Wynn that makes the standard. Travis, pull up my event, standard list. The event where times matter the least is the fifteen hundred. Entry times matter the least in any event is the fifteen hundred because the race is run in a completely different manner than any other event. So that's something you have to. To, to keep in mind. So here's the standard list. Put it up on the screen so people see. There Drum it is. Roll, Boom. So yeah, Centro, Angles, Henry Wynn, Hobbs Kessler, Vincent Chiotti, Yair Nagus, Josh Thompson all have the standard, all run sub-335. And then you have Johnny Gregoric, who's run 335. Brandon Kidder's run 335. Mason Furlick run 335, good for his steeple chances. Cooper Tears run 335. Avila, 335. Hawker, yeah. who doesn't have the standard yet, is one three thirty five, and then Prickle, Brazier are all three thirty five. So fifteen people have run 
under 336. Again, this goes back to 2019. So some have done it earlier yeah. than, than later. But, I mean, what's your, is, what's your rapid fire top three order right now? Or who's your my rap- top four? My, my top four right now, I'm not betting against Centro. I'm not betting. And this is in no particular order. I think no, put Engels it in is going to make put it. In, put it in order. Put, okay, right order. now I will go. I will go Centro. I will go Nagus. I will go Engels over Hawker for that last spot. That's my that's my grouping right now. The the issue too with with Kessler just because he hasn't he's so young rounds rounds matter rounds matter in the fifteen hundred yeah and get, getting the reps now but this is where running in these types of races will help him as opposed to if he ran a regular high school season where he's blowing people out and then he just shows up at the Prefontaine Classic runs a fast time he's done a bunch of races I remember he's out here in Austin tripped and fell that's good experience to getting used to running in a in a big crowd so. His learning curve isn't as steep as other people's at, at his age, but it's still tough to go through that process, manage manage the nerves. But he's clearly shown top end he can run with with those guys. I just don't think it's going to be a 333-334 race at the trials, so you can toss out a lot of this. And it's going to all come down to managing effort, closing speed, et cetera, et cetera. I think Centro is fine. I think we saw this weekend. You know, he, he looked pretty good in that 800. It's interesting to compare his 800 to – uh, a couple weeks ago, right when he ran the 150, and everybody was panicking, and now he runs, he gets fifth, but he runs 146. <laughs> so which I it said didn't he take would. Long I think I said he'd me. get fifth. I said he'd get fifth. Yeah, yeah. Um, to tell you my predict, my 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 as of June 1st, 1500 order. Sure. Sure. I think Centro wins it. I think there's literally a three-way lean at the line for second between Hawker. Angles and the goose. And I think it's going to be like one of those photo finishes where, like, hey, who has it? One of those is not making a team. It's going to be three way. And I think that Nagoose gets second. And I think Angles gets third and Hawker gets out leaned and gets fourth. Mm-hmm. That's what I think happens. What and if I think I told Kessler, you? Kessler kind of finishes like in sixth or something like that? If Kessler makes the final, it's a huge success. Is an enormous. Well, he should. He, he should make the final, final here. Well, he's in high I mean, school. Twelve people so make. Twelve people make the final. Yeah, and it's tough. It's tough. You just named all those three thirty-five people. He ran. He's run three thirty-four. It's not like there's like a hundred miles of gap, a separation between the th- like. There's a million guys all within a second and a half here, and I think someone like Josh Thompson is going to come to play at a meet like this. The veterans are are going to be ready. They know how to manage their effort through these through these rounds. Um, but there's another high school I think who has a better chance. And that's Arian Knighton in the 200. Because bring up the in 200 Florida, Well, no, bring up the fact that he ran 20.11, faster than Bolt ran for a U18 time, and is only 0.02 off of Lyles' high school record. This guy's legit. This guy's legit. And that 200 team is now incredibly hard if you look at the 200 list there you got to put uh obviously lyles and kenny b up there lairdes looks so solid but i think knighton those knighton 2021 lyles 2016 parallels are pretty strong right now yeah i think he's uh gonna make the final um i think it's gonna be hard though to make the team i think he needs to 
be in the 19-9 range in order to make a team. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it's so weird that just Olympic years bring out the stars from from the high school age. You know, you saw in 2016 you had Sydney, Michael Norman, Noah Lyles, Drew Hunter, and now here, I guess now five years later, you got Knighton, you have a thing Mo, technically losing college, but still young. You have Hobbs Kessler and everyone else. It's just kind of cool seeing every four to five years a, a flock of because I remember we'd be like, is this the greatest high school class of all time? You say that like now every four years because every yeah, four years is a yeah. new high school class. It's like, hey, I'm running. We got a 200-meter runner. We got this high jumper now. We have this 600-meter runner and a thing. It's just, it's just crazy. It's wild. <laughs> well, 16 was Holloway, Hunter, Norman, Lyles. I'm sure there's other people yeah. as well too. Just uh, just a, a crazy time here. Solid 200 for Trayvon Bromel too. I know he doesn't like to run that event. 20.2. 20, 20. He's racing. That means he's healthy. You got to like Bromel's chances. Other big sprint news I wanted to touch on. I know we're running out of time here. And hurdle news. Holloway. Yeah, we're out of time. 10, run- I think we're out of time, right? We're out of time? <laughs> we only talk time. about this next thing, right? Oh, you want to talk about Allison Felix running 50.6? No, we're out of time. Let's bring it up. We're out of time. Only out of time. Allison Felix. This is a one-hour podcast. Is, all she does is win. No, I want to get your opinion on Bowerman here in a second, too. I want to get your opinion okay. on Bowerman. And I know, I know you'll like that segment. Uh, 50.6 for Allison Felix in this American Track League. Meet, again, just winning. She's just clicking off wins. She's running solid. I think she's going to round into form at the exact right time. We started the year. I started the year thinking, okay, making the finals is going to be solid. Outside chance at top three. I've revised that. I think she's going to get in the top three, maybe even has a chance to take the trials. And part of that is because uh, just you, you look at the field as a whole, nobody's really emerging there. You saw Wild and Jonathan there behind her, 51 seconds. You know, Gordon, she was fourth in Doha, right? Phyllis Francis was fifth in Doha. Uh, and she's and she's beaten beaten these women. So Felix looks real good in both the four and the two. Again, to repeat, I think she's going to run both the four and the two. I know some people are are thinking that she's just going to run the two. I think she's going to run both. I understand if you don't want to comment on this segment, you're going to just move on. It's fine. No, no. So I I've been on the it's over for Allison train all 2020 year long. But here's the thing: when you're on a train, take the off ramp forever. Trains don't go forever. There's times when they stop and people get on and off the train. And I think get your white Memorial flag, Day your weekend white flag near you. Memorial Day weekend, the train stops, and I saw ah. a nice little bakery and some good donuts. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go grab one. And then the train took off without me. So I'm not on the anti Allison Felix train anymore. I'm just sitting here eating my donut. And uh, yeah, I think she's I think she's gonna make the team now. I yeah. I have. So conceded okay. is that the word conceded uh yes. the election of who's going to make the 400 200 meter teams <laughs> to allison felix uh i don't think she'll make the 200 team i think she'll make the four i think she's better shot in the four if i had to guess but dude the 200 just because you know the, two, the 200 has obviously she carry as an obvious one where i don't think there's an obvious i mean you could say if a thing mo runs the four then we definitely have two. Everyone is fighting for two spots, right? In the four and the two. Yeah. Because you're know, Shakari in the two and 
a thing in the four. Um, but yeah, I think she's definitely making the 800. I mean, the 400 final. I'm going to be on a relay and make it the Olympics in another, what, fifth? Is it fourth or fifth Olympics she'll probably make? What is this? Five. It'll be five. Five. It's I called respect... the Abdi Hamid. <laughs> double. Yeah, yeah. I, I respect your concession statement there. I will not belabor the point. Okay. All right, cool. I want to talk about Bowerman, though. This is the last thing before we close here. Uh, and I know we missed some stuff. It was that busy of a weekend. Uh, talk about so we'll, tomorrow. Pick... You want to talk about Bowerman tomorrow instead? No, we talk about the other stuff tomorrow. But what do we? What do you want to say about Bowerman? Oh, I just want which after Portland Track Festival, which Bowerman person are you most concerned about? Jager, who hasn't run a full steeple yet, so we didn't see him here. Uh, Shelby Houlihan scratched. Lopez Lemong or Christian Schweizer? It's just wild that this is a segment. Which Bowerman athlete are you most concerned about? How the turntables have turned, as Michael Scott would say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a thing now, right? But first of all, I know Jerry's weird with like running, not running, but Shelby was entered. And then scratched. Yeah. It's not like she yeah. didn't enter and she's just like, oh, okay, why aren't you racing yet? She was entered and scratched. So clearly there's a reason to not run the race. So the question is, is it a big reason? Like, oh, I, if I go on a track and try to run four-minute, 1,500-meter pace, I will break myself? Mm-hmm. Or is it like you have nothing to prove? Even, you know, even if it's just a little – minor thing it's not worth risking it because you are veteran you're race sharp no matter what you don't need the portland track festival to feel good about yourself so it could be one or the other i don't know i i would i would range that it's not that serious of a reason versus being a serious if i had a be a betting man for shelby so i'm not really that concerned about shelby so my concern made on shelby is like 15 percent concern okay my Jager concern level, it's at 50% concern, but it will jump to 0% or 100% within the next seven One days. <laughs> right? Because okay. he's got to run. He doesn't, he's not in the meet. He is, he's not qualified in the steeple. He doesn't have a mark. So he needs to do something. He needs, he needs, to, he needs to go around the, the track at 3,000 meters long and, and go – do it, you know? So yeah, yeah. maybe he, he's going to okay. have to do one race, right? So I'm at 50% for Jager where he'll go jump to zero or 100 based on what happens the rest of this week. Um, Schweizer, I'm at 0%. Listen, I know we started the show talk, talking about how nobody knows the rules to track. Does Jager, the former U.S. champs, get a buy into the U.S. champs every year? Because I know that's been a thing in the past. Does that count in lieu of a trials qualifying standard? Because I'm thinking back to, was it Alan Webb getting into the meet one year and there being quite the hullabaloo? Just something to consider. Oh, did you While see you're this? Looking There's... That up, this is interesting. What? There's a contingency plan for the. There's a contingency plan for. I mean, we're not going to deal with this, but it looks like uh, U.S. trials 
has a contingency plan that I think they're going to select the top three on time uh, based on who has just the fastest three times if they don't have a trials. I just saw that link. That when link was this from just right now? It was a. I don't. I mean, I, I don't know, but I just thought it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's not happening. We're having the trials, but I think they're if, if you know it gets canceled, I think they're going to select top three on time because they have a link on their website called Olympic Trials Contingency Plan, single best performance rank order yeah. list, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. if there's no trials, uh, that's what you do. You just take the three fastest times. Anyway, uh, I'm trying to figure out. Don't worry about it. Let's keep moving here. Eligibility Listen, requirements. Uh, Somebody said, "Don't worry about it. We'll have it, we'll have it for okay. tomorrow's for, for tomorrow's okay. show." Uh, someone someone brought up in the in the chat that Shelby ran a three fifty that the rumor was Shelby ran a three fifty seven time trial. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. We don't know if that's true. Uh, she didn't do it in a race, though. Um, we should mention there's bound people that are crushing it right now, right? We talked about Centro, uh, GDS saw, won the eight, went sub two. She looks really solid. Fisher looks solid. Um, can I do an NBA comparison since Travis isn't on this anymore to tell, to tell us to stop talking about the NBA. Okay. Jagger right now is the Lakers as it currently stands. Right. We don't know, like missed, missed missed some time last year because of injuries. And now we're going to kind of getting down to the wire here. Carissa. So she loses this race. But it was a big time rust buster for her, right? She gets fourth, runs 15 flat. I think she's the Jazz, has that okay. first game hic- hiccup, but then she's going to show her class when it comes time for the trials. Lamong is the Clippers here. Again, Ooh, that's, not, that's not good for Lamong, well, but okay. No, they're doing good. They're doing good now. They they tied it they, up. They, yeah, well, they tied it up. Yeah, yeah. Like some load management throughout the year, right? He hasn't been running at all, uh, which makes Shelby the six. No, I don't. I don't know who that would make Shelby. It's Shel- Shelby. Oh no, 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 no. Shelby's the Nets. Shelby's the Nets. Just in general, we haven't seen them together. Yeah. And now yeah, we're seeing Shelby's them the Nets. Or or Harden or you know that 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 whole group. There you go. That's it. You know who the Sixers is? Um, let's see. Who would the Sixers be? Is it like Elise Cranny? Are you gonna say? Are you gonna say? I thought you were gonna say Centro. But Centro. No, yeah, Centro. That'd be it. That, that's giving. That's giving the Sixers way too much. That's not giving Centro enough credit. We well, Centro, you all say right. Brooklyn is Centro. Centro's Brooklyn because they're all coming together. I don't know. Maybe Centro's. No. Centro's the Bucks. Bucks. All coming together at the right time, sweeping coming people. The right time. My Bucks. Hey, man. My beloved Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> people are like, no, not Dude. the Clippers. No, I'm, Think I'm, about I'm this. saying this after game four. The Clippers are looking good. I'm not trying to jinx LeMong at all. Clippers are now dialed in here. But, like, you, it took them a little while to get going. LeMong runs. This is, you know, we had that weird two-heat thing. So, Fisher and Kincaid are in one heat. LeMong wins the other heat. In 1326, he outkicks David Ribich, but like we haven't seen Lamont at all. Yeah. But we know he's legitimately, we know he's legitimately good. He could be Kawhi. How about not the whole, not the whole Clippers? Kawhi, yeah. I don't want to put that on him. Let's just give him Kawhi. 
Let's just give him Kawhi. So we know what he's capable of, but it's just a matter of him getting out there and and doing it. I just think it's wild. In the year 2021, we just did a 70-minute podcast, and mm-hmm. not once was the name Galen Rupp mentioned the entire time. It's crazy. He runs a 10K. Runs 28 flat, yeah. gets fourth in his heat, and we didn't bring it up once until now. I mean, I'm bringing it up at the end, but I think it's just kind of wild. I mean, Flowtrack for years has been Galen up, Galen up because he's been the you know the, the centerpiece of U.S. distance running, but now that he's in a marathon and kind of not racing as often, uh, we only see him once every blue moon. It's kind of wild mm-hmm. that we uh, that he wasn't the that Galen Rupp became story number twelve of the weekend. It's kind of wild. Oh, I don't even know. I should have ranked these. I don't even know if it would have been story number 12 because there's a whole bunch of other. Well, there is. There's a whole bunch of others. We didn't talk about Brazier barely winning the 800. Well, that's nothing. We didn't eh, talk. No, that's, that's not that story. Brazier was going to Mason Furlick runs 818 again. Sisson goes yeah. sub 15. Uh, Shamir Little. Shamir Little, 50.53.12. Shamir Little might win trials. I, I'm Little starting might... to think that. I'm might mess around that. and and get trials like and and I mean I don't know what that'll mean for Tokyo, but she might end up winning. The, she runs the second best time of her entire career. Muhammad finally debuted, but she ran in the the slower section, ran fifty five oh one. So there would have been a bunch of stories above Rupp. I mean, he's a guy running in an event that's not his main event anymore. So here's the question: like what? Like, yes. He is, I think, ranked 20. So the 10K field is supposed to be 24, right? And I think 25 athletes have the standard of tw- sub-28. Mm-hmm. Galen Rupp, I think, is sure. ranked 26th right now. Uh, but he's not. doesn't have the auto. He's just over 28 minutes. Would the U.S. Trials Committee change their rules and let one extra runner in the 10K to get Rupp in the field? And if that does happen, they, will there be upset people? Oh, man. I just don't. I don't have the emotional energy for that. And I, I, don't have a, I don't have enough left in the tank after all we've been through the past year. I just want to be happy at trials. Honestly, stuff That's going like to be that, a thing. I know. And then, and then they're going to interview the person that he pushed out. And we already know all the beats to that story. Uh, he's not going to be a factor in the 10K. So it, it well, he wouldn't have to matter. push anyone out. He wouldn't have to push anyone out. Although, he could just be the next one. Added. No, but no, but then they'll say, "Why didn't they add this other person?" That's what. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. will happen. I just again, he's not going to be a factor in it. It's not his event right now. Yeah. Uh, the 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 men's marathoner in the world who I would be interested in running a ten k, who I would tune in, especially for, would be Iliad Kipchoge. That's him. That's so. Huh? That's yeah. like the list. On the women's side, there'd be more because obviously I'd love to see, you know, Sisson. Uh, Mo Farah? He's, he's a marathoner now. Okay, two. You got me. But I don't really cons- I consider him fully back uh, on the track now. But that's that's the extent of the people who I'm I'm all in. Yeah, there's so many good 10,000-meter runners. You focus on that. Or 5,000, 10,000 runners. You don't, need to, you don't need to do that. I don't think he's going to end up running it, but in any event. Um, I guess that's it. We'll leave it there. We'll have... I mean, there's more to talk about tomorrow on this stuff. You know what we should do? Actually, we shouldn't do this. 
because this is tempting fate. We should look, and this would be a very easy exercise to do because you just literally look at the top three times. Who would be on the Olympic team with the contingency plan? And look at some of these crazy teams that would come up for the U.S. <laughs> we'll do that tomorrow. Right? Because, we'll do that one. Yeah. Right, because like you wouldn't know a lot of a lot of times track fans, most track fans are pretty sophisticated and they they, they know, okay, well, just because that person's ranked seventh, like they're they're good to go. But like right now, for example, this would be hold on, let me just tease this before we go. Fred <laughs> Curley would be on the hundred meter team. <laughs> and and you, Michael Norman, right? Would Michael uh, Norman be on well, it? Well, depends if it depends if you're using last year. Here's another twist. Fred Curley would not be on the 400 meter team. <laughs> Man, Fred so, Curley, which I thought he'd do better against Norman in that Doha race. What did I say I was going to do about that race last week, Gordon? What was I supposed to do? I, I don't know. I don't I don't take notes of everything you say. Sorry. No, I asked you specifically to talk, to tell me not to read anything into it after last oh, year. Oh, so yeah. I'm not going to take the bait. I took that race. I crumpled it up. I threw it in the trash. And it was it helped that everybody ran 44 mid. So it was not consequential in any way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm not reading anything into that. All right. We went long today. But thanks to hey. Ron. Thanks to Travis, who already oh. left. Lots. Lots to talk about. Yeah. So tomorrow, send in topics, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com if there's anything you want us to discuss or tune in live tomorrow, 9 a.m. Central, and chat it up in the comments. We'll talk to you then.